0: You're lying. But uh, she grew up in a home, and at least until she was almost 17, she was in that home. And she never one time heard her mom and dad argue. She never heard them fuss and raise their voices to one another. And, you know, it doesn't mean they agreed on everything. If they had something they disagreed about, they you might say, yeah, they, might, they, they probably went out in the woods and argued or something like that. But no, they just, when, before they got married, my, my wife's mother said, her daddy said, now it takes two to argue. And when one is in a bad mood, the other one just needs to be quiet. And uh, you know, that plus the fact that they both really walked with God. My father-in-law was a man of God. I wish I had time to tell you about him. He just went to heaven a few months ago. And her mother was a lady of God. And they just served the Lord together. And uh, and thank God they brought my wife into this world. And I got to marry her. And it has been a good trip. I'd like for you to turn to John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1. This message I'm about to preach you, the name of it is Jesus is the Answer. And I've preached it over 90 times, somewhere around 95 times. My wife has sat and heard me preach this message. So, honey, if you want to go watch the nursery or something today, I I don't blame you. Uh, She heard me preach it just about an hour ago, (laughs) about two hours ago. And I'm going to preach it again. But uh, this is a message that I know God gave me uh, several years ago. I remember where I was when, when it began to come uh, down from heaven. I was walking in the dark uh, down a little path behind my, my mother and father-in-law's house. And these, these ideas just became to, began to come to me. Jesus is the answer out of the book of John. And then I didn't get the whole message, though, that night. The next day I went to Sunday school and I was sitting in her dad's church listening to a good man teach a Sunday school lesson but I don't know what he said because while I was sitting there the Lord was giving me the rest of this message and I'm just writing down as fast as I can and then I got up and preached it that morning and I, I love to preach this because it is absolutely true. Jesus is the answer I know it's like a cliche today. You don't even get excited about it today. But my friend, it's absolutely true. No matter what you're going through in life, Jesus is the answer. No matter, you say, well, what question, any question, Jesus is the answer. Would you stand with me? And we'll read just a few verses here in John chapter number (laughs) 1. John chapter number 1, verse number 1. And I want to say, I appreciate the dear sound man up there. I don't don't even know his name. But that is a hard job to do what he's doing. And uh, he's doing a good job. The only time he gets any attention is when something goes wrong. And then everybody looks up there. But I appreciate you, brother. He came down after Sunday school. I used this microphone. See, it matches my tie. But anyway, uh, he came down after Sunday school, and he said, Are you going to use that mic again? I said, Yes. He said, I'm putting new batteries in it. Now, that's being on the ball. I don't know how many times I've been preaching the battery goes dead. It distracts everybody. God bless you, brother. I know you don't do it for recognition. But one of these days, the Lord will recognize you, and I, I appreciate it. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, capital W. And the Word was with God, and the Word... Was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. I want to read that verse again, and if you really believe that verse, when I get done with that last word, I want to hear you say amen. If you really believe this, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. (laughs) I believe that. I believe it. And if you just said amen, if you believe that, let me ask you today, what is the problem? If you're discouraged today, why are you discouraged? If all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made, then that means if he made everything, then he knows about everything. And he knows how to fix anything. <laughs> He's the answer to, to your problem, whatever it is today. The Bible says in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. I could put in there was a man sent from God whose name was Han. Because <laughs> last night I heard a man of God preach named Han and he had four sons who got up and preached last night that was an amazing service but it says there was a man sent from God whose name was John the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe let's go to the Lord in prayer Father thank you for the word of God thank you for this wonderful wonderful book thank you for this King James Bible Thank you, Lord, that every word of God is pure, and you preserved every word for us. Thank you, Lord, for this chapter, these verses. I love them, and I pray you'd help me as I preach now. Lord, fill me with your Spirit, and Lord, give these dear people ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to them. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to call your attention to verse number 1. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. Right in the middle of that verse, you find God. But then you find that there's somebody with God. Here's God in the beginning and there's somebody with God. And the one who is with God is God. There's only one way to understand that. And if you're saved here today, you can understand it. If you're not saved today, you can't understand it. But the good news is you could get saved today. The Bible says the natural man, those who are unsaved, not born again, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. He cannot understand them. But in this verse, we have God. There's somebody with God. That's Jesus, the Word and jesus is god you see our god is a trinity father son and holy ghost and i'd like for you to turn i won't have you turn to any other verse today but i would like for you to turn back to first john just go to the back of your bible revelation and go back to jude and then there's third john and second john then you come to first john going coming back from revelation 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 7. Here again you find Jesus is called the Word, capital W. You know, I was thinking one day, what does that mean? Jesus is the Word. And I could give you an explanation that's kind of deep, a theological explanation today. You know, some preachers, they go real deep and then they come up real dry. I don't want to do that. But it just seemed like the Lord gave me a definition that I think anybody could understand. Why is Jesus called the Word? Because, my friend, Jesus is what God has to say to this world. Jesus is what God has to say. No matter what your question or your problem, Jesus is what God has to say. Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Trust in Jesus. And one day you'll be with Jesus. Tell everybody about him. In this verse of John, 1 John 5, 7, we have the Trinity. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, capital W, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. That's the plainest verse in the Bible on the Trinity. You won't find it any plainer anywhere else. I could show you other places where there is you see the Trinity, but this is the plainest verse, the clearest verse, that our God is a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But I also wanted you to look at that verse because... If you had an NIV Bible on your lap today, the the New International Version or the Non-Inspired Version, if you had an NIV on on your lap today, that verse is not in there. That verse is not in there. If you had a New King James Bible, it would cast doubt on that verse, saying it's not found in the better manuscripts. My friend, back in 1611, the greatest scholars on earth and men who loved God, men who had memorized much of the Bible, got together and translated the original languages into our King James Bible. They had the better manuscripts. (laughs) They had the real, true manuscripts, and they... I believe under divine guidance translated our Bible into this King James Bible. My friend, I just want to say to you today, stay with the King James. Stay with it. Stay with this man of God who's preaching out of the King James. Don't go to these other versions. They're heading in the wrong direction. We all know that our world is heading toward a one world government. We can see it. America's heading that way. They're talking about a one-world currency. They're ta- there will be a one-world government. And you know what they'll have? They'll have a one-world Bible. And it's heading that way. The NIV was a big, giant step that way. And yet in Baptist churches today, people are using the NIV Bible. Don't let it happen. I know your pastor, he's not going to let it happen here. <laughs> but don't you let it happen in your life, in your family. Stay with it. Stay in the old paths. I love John chapter 1, and I love every chapter in this. I won't preach them all, but I would like to show you how Jesus is the answer. First of all, in chapter number 1, he's the answer for every man. He's the answer for all men. We saw that in verse number 7. Down in verse number 9, he's the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And then in verse number 12, it says, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And then you find John the Baptist later in this chapter, down in verse number 29, John the Baptist comes out saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Praise God, Jesus Christ is the Savior for every man. He died on the cross for every man, every woman, every boy and girl. There's a doctrine out there. <laughs> There's a doctrine out there. That it's not just floating around, my friend. It's being shot out of a cannon. And it's making its way even into Baptist churches. It's been the doctrine of the Presbyterians for a long, long time. But it's making its way into the Baptist churches And that is that Jesus did not die for everybody. He only died for the elect. And if you're not in the elect uh, predestined before the foundation of the world, then you're just out of luck when it comes to salvation. But you know what? That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says that he tasted death for every man in Hebrews chapter number 2. And my Bible says that Jesus Christ He he came for whosoever will. Whosoever will. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, that God, the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And we've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, you know what? Every hyper-Calvinist in the world would agree with us that the first all in Isaiah 53, 6 means all mankind. All we like sheep have gone astray. Every hyper-Calvinist, no matter how five points they are, every hyper-Calvinist, that's the doctrine, by the way, that says Jesus didn't die for everybody. They would say, yes, no doubt about it. All we like sheep. That means all men. But then the verse goes on. And the Lord, God the Father, hath laid on him, Jesus the Son, on the cross, the iniquity of us all. God laid on Jesus our sins. And he died with our sins laid upon him. And he died for all, the iniquity of us all. Now that same hyper Calvinist that agreed that first all <laughs> would mean to everybody, they'd back up on that last one say, no, 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 it, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that, but it does mean that. My friend, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Jesus died for you. And he hung on that cross for you and he paid for your sins. Your sins were laid on him. Now you may die and go to hell. But it won't be his fault. He died for you. He paid for your sins. Jesus is the answer for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. He died that we might have a home in heaven someday. He is the Lamb of God. And his blood washes our sin away. And I thank God for that. I thank God for the whosoever's. John 3, 16, Romans 10, 13, whosoever, whosoever will, let him come. Revelation twenty two seventeen. 17, before God closed out the Bible, he said, John, put it in there one more time. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that is athirst thirst come. Let, let him that heareth say, come. And whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. My friend, you may not come, but I'll tell you, you've got an invitation to come, and it's for whosoever will. When we come to chapter 2, Jesus is the answer for marriage. He's the answer for the home. In John chapter number 2, it says, and the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called, I've got that underlined, called. He was called and his disciples to the marriage. Jesus was invited to this marriage. You see that? Jesus was invited to the marriage. And by the way, I've done some research. And I found out who this is, being married. You can learn something today. You came to the house of God. I found out who this is in this marriage. It's a man and a woman. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm telling you, that's God's definition of marriage, a man and a woman. Anything other than that is an abomination. No matter what the Supreme Court says. You know, by the way, these black-robed people, they may call themselves, or we may call them the Supreme Court. But we just saw the Supreme Court back in 1 John 5, 7. The Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's the Supreme Court. Boy, I I appreciate the amens today. I preach in some place. I'd give $5 for an amen. Not here today. I'd go broke. But I appreciate the amens. You're with me. And I thank God for that. My friend, marriages are in trouble. Marriages, even in our churches, marriages are in trouble. And I said in the early service, one, one benefit of being an evangelist, <laughs> I just go from church to church, you know, I go in, stir up trouble, then I ride out of town and pastors got to straighten it all out. But I don't know any of you. I don't know you. And I don't know what you're going through. But I have learned this, that some of the greatest acting is not just in Hollywood some of the greatest acting on the face of the earth goes on in churches even in Baptist churches people come to church and act like everything is just great I mean they're all smiles and uh, it's just like life is so grand but then they get in the car and they drive home and it's a different story Everything's not so good down at the house. They don't try to act there. (laughs) They just rear back, and if if they don't like something, boom, they let you have it. Arguing, fighting, fussing. God never intended for marriage to to have that. And then sometimes they go their separate ways. You know what the answer is, my friend? The answer is right here. Call Jesus. Call Jesus to the marriage. Call him before it's too late. You know, sometimes it is too late. Sometimes it is. One, sometimes one just walks away and they never come back. That happened to one of the greatest preachers and songwriters who ever lived named Charles Weigel. You've heard, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. He wrote that after his wife Walked away from him and never came back. With a broken heart, he sat and wrote, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. But you know, most of the time, before that happens, before it comes to that point, there's a, there's a place where the marriage could be saved. There's a place where the, it could be saved if you could just get to the right person. If you could just get the right help, my friend. And here it is, call Jesus. (laughs) Husband, wife, get on your knees. Lay that old wicked pride. I heard Brother Larry Brown say one time, you know what the number one destroyer of marriages is? The number one destroyer of marriages, he said, bar none, is that old satanic pride. That old satanic pride where you cannot say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry I had a bad attitude. I'm sorry I battled it and you have too. But if if pride wins that battle, it can destroy your marriage. Call Jesus. Get down on your knees and hold hands and say, Lord Jesus, there's nothing good that can come out of it if, if we lose this marriage. Lord, would you help us? I'll tell you what he'll do. Jesus is the Word. <laughs> He's the living Word. You know what He'll do? If you'll let Him, He'll take you to the written Word. <laughs> and He'll show you what a husband is supposed to do. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. He'll show you what a wife is supposed to do. Be in submission to her husband. That's Bible. Bible. And love her husband. That's over in Titus. But he'll take you there. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a preacher of wives are to be in submission to their husband. That's Bible. As, as unto the Lord. But husband, what kind of a man does she have to be in submission to? What kind of a man are you? Can you honestly say, follow me? Because she's got to follow you if she's going to be right with God. She's got to follow your leadership. Can you honestly say, follow me as I follow Christ? Follow me as I follow the Word of God. The Bible says wives even are to ask their husbands. If they have a question, ask their husbands. Are you a husband that your wife could even ask? Are you in the Word of God to the point where she would even bother to ask you what does what does this mean? <laughs> Call Jesus to the marriage. Oh, I, I could preach on that for a long time. <laughs> I really could. I could tell you about I could tell you about marriages that I thought were doing just fine and it, they weren't fine. and the devil got in there. oh he needs a little crack in the door and he'll slip in You know he's He's that old serpent, the devil. Don't give him that opportunity. Call Jesus to the marriage. Call Jesus. Get back in the Word of God. My wife and I, we've had such a wonderful marriage. But on our honeymoon night in St. Louis, Missouri, we knelt down by the bed and we held hands and we talked to our Heavenly Father. That was on Saturday night. Next day was Sunday, our first day as man and wife. And we got in the phone book. Some of you don't know what a phone book is. (laughs) Well, we got in the phone book and we found a Baptist church in St. Louis because that's what we were brought up to do. On Sunday, you go to the house of the Lord, even if it is the first day you got married. And we went to a Baptist church in St. Louis Started our marriage like that all through the years. We, we read our Bible together. We, we kneel down. We hold hands. We pray together for 46 years. When the kids come along, we just add them to the mix and have family altar. But when the kids leave, husband and wife, keep on having family altar. Amen. Keep on reading and praying together. All I can do on these next two points... You just throw out a a truth and let you take it home with you. In chapter number 3, you find Nicodemus. And he is so religious. He's a Pharisee. A ruler of the Jews. Much of the Bible, he's got memorized. The Old Testament. He's got it memorized. And yet, he's empty inside. He's empty He doesn't have salvation. All he's got is religion. And he comes to Jesus by night and he starts talking about miracles and Jesus said, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's the great miracle, Nicodemus, be born again. And he said, how, how? Didn't understand it, but Jesus went on to tell him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I believe Nicodemus got saved. You say, you got any evidence? (laughs) You don't see him the rest of the book, but, well, one other time, he does speak up. But you see him when Jesus died on the cross and a man named Joseph came to take the body of Jesus down. There was somebody with Joseph. Joseph. Nicodemus he helped him take that body I believe that body was precious to him I believe he's taking that body off that cross thinking this is my Savior he died for me now when you you see we're surrounded by religious people we'd be amazed how many people are sitting in churches all over Columbus all over this area sitting in churches religious to the core And they'll be there every Sunday. And lost. Lost. They don't know the Lord. They've never been born again. The last one, chapter number four. We find that Jesus is the answer. Chapter number three, he's the answer for dead religion. And in chapter number four, he's the answer for those who've tried everything else. There are people, and I'm seeing them all the time, and you are too. I'm seeing things I've never seen before. And I've seen a lot. (laughs) But I'm seeing things in America, what people are doing to their bodies. You know, what people are putting into their bodies. What people are putting out on the Internet. I don't see a lot of that. I'm not into social media, but... Boy, there's a lot of stuff out there that's unbelievable. And they're trying everything. They're trying everything. Who would ever think we would come to a place where, you know, for a long, long time we've had homosexuality, which the Bible says is an abomination. The Bible calls it sodomy. God's dead set against it. Thank God there's deliverance from it. Somebody say amen. amen. But whoever thought we'd come to the place where a man wants to become a woman and a woman wants to become a man. I just heard an interview. Tucker Carlson had some guy who studied this out and knows all about it. And he said it's been around for a long time. But he said up until about 2010, It was considered a mental illness. Absolutely is. But the media and the medical profession, big pharma and all that, and these hospitals that are making their millions and billions on these operations, they won't call it that anymore. No, that's normal now. My friend, it's not normal. It's an abomination and it's a disgrace. And when they do it to little children, I don't see how God, I, I don't see how God can just keep from saying, that's it. America, that's it. The only explanation for that is his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. Here's a woman, she's tried everything. She's been married five times. She's living with a man that not her husband. You better believe she's got alcohol, drugs, parties, and everything else in her life. And yet the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, cared enough to go out of his way. <laughs> and he must needs go through Samaria. It was out of the way. And he must needs go through Samaria sat down on a well and waited for her to come. And said, woman, if you knew who I was, I'd give you living water. You'd never thirst again. I believe she got it. (laughs) I believe she got it. Went down into the town. Come see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Jesus is the answer for those who've tried everything else. When you see people in these awful conditions, what they're doing to their bodies, what they look like. My friend, sometimes we want to just shrink back. But don't forget Jesus is what they need and you're the one. You're the one to tell them about Jesus. You're the one to let them see Jesus in your life. Let's bow our heads today. Thank you for paying attention. You were such a good audience today. I want to ask you with heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you a question that pastors ask a lot and ask you to Raise your hand in just a minute, but you know, when you raise your hand, don't just do it. This is something I've started doing. It means something to me. Don't just raise your hand to identify yourself to the pastor. While you're raising that hand, why don't you just praise God (laughs) that you can raise your hand. When a preacher says, how many of you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100% sure that if you died today you would go to heaven because you've met Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. His blood has washed your sins away. How many of you can raise your hand and say, that happened to me. I'm born again. Just raise it way up high. Praise God while you're doing it. (laughs) Amen. You can put them down. Isn't that wonderful to be able to raise your hand then? I want to ask you this. and The pastor... Come and stand beside me, Brother Hahn. Oh, I, I meant to say today what a what a wonderful meeting we had. Brother Hahn preached, his dad preached, his three brothers preached. What a wonderful time we had. I ran out of time. But I, I sure appreciate your pastor. I want to ask you this question. How many of you could not raise your hand then? You say, Brother Epley, I don't know. I just don't know a hundred percent sure that I'm going to heaven. But I'd like to know. And I want you to pray for me. Would you raise your hand? I won't come to you, and the pastor won't come to you. I see that, yes, sir. Is there anybody else? Say I just don't know. I just don't know. One hand has been raised. Is there anybody else? That won't save you to raise your hand, but but I will pray for you. I'm going to pray. All right, I see another. Anybody else? Anybody else? Wait just a moment. Lord, I saw a hand and somebody who almost raised a hand. You know all about it, Lord. You know what they need. Lord, may this be the day that they would get that settled and know that Jesus Christ is their personal Savior. Lord, bless the invitation. Some may need to come pray for their marriage. Some may have trouble in the home with teenagers or some, some kind of rebellion in the home and they realize today Jesus is the answer. Get to Jesus. And Lord, there could be somebody here today religious but not saved. May this be the day of salvation for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor.